Okay then, and welcome to another episode of the Ignite Your Mind podcast with myself, Sanjay Patel. And guess what? Again, I've got another special guest. <laughs> you know, I love my special guests. Um, so this week I have got a guest to talk about all things relationships, positivity. Um, I think we're just going to have an open conversation because as you know from my other podcast, they're the best ones. They're the best ones. I don't know my guests. I've never met them. I've only know them via Instagram. This is why I love that platform if you use it in the right way. So without further ado, uh, let me introduce Holly. Holly, how are you doing? I'm really good, thanks, Sanjay. How are you? Yeah, very well, very well, all good. We are in November, mid-November, so we are in the middle of a yes. UK lockdown again, kind of like yep. a lockdown, but it's not, um, just to give you some time reference. Um, and Holly, yeah, has agreed to come on and speak about her life story. Let's do it like a Piers Morgan life story, eh? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. I'm not a Piers Morgan at all. I, I couldn't be like him. I, no, do... I think you're, you're much nicer than that. <laughs> I, I, I agree. And I, I do find him somewhat fascinating to listen to his conversations on Good yes, Morning Britain. Yes. And, and he's an interesting character. Um, and yeah, I love, I love how he just digs into people. But um, yeah, not me. Um, so Holly, let's, uh, let's get started, right? Let's get started. So okay. Holly, take me back. Oh, first of all, how are you feeling? Calm, I would say. Yeah. Good. I think I think yeah, calm, calm sum it, sums it up really. I think I'm just kind of you know, ready to ready to share, ready to give some information, and hopefully ready to inspire some people to um, to maybe make a few positive changes in their own lives. So uh, you know, that's the kind of the intention here today. That's what it's all say. about. That's what it's all about, yes. right? Yeah, just sharing that sharing that impact that you can make um, exactly for free as well. So right, <laughs> um, Holly, yeah, take us back to just to give you give the listeners. Uh, some some basis of who Holly is um, yep. if they're not watching this on YouTube they'll be listening to it on and streaming it so take us back to what Holly was like growing up as a kid oh so um I was I think I've got um a Polaroid picture of me as a kid which I think really really sums me up which is me uh, probably about I guess about six or seven years old and I'm wearing a pink tutu but I'm standing outside by the bonfire with my wellies on <laughs> like nice. poking the bonfire <laughs> nice. so and I think that that is like a perfect sort of um summary for kind of who I am as a person in terms of you know like I love um you know like when as a kid I loved dancing and ballet and drawing and like you know I was just yeah, those, those were my, my chief loves, like anything to do with creativity. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I was I was very rarely out of my pink tutu. Um, but equally, I was very, very happy outdoors. And I was always found outside, um, you know, exploring and just generally getting into, into scrapes, I suppose. <laughs> kind of like a happy-go-lucky kid, right? Yeah, yeah, just in general. I would say, you know, I was kind of um, probably quite... Um, yeah, I think I was kind of happy in my own company to an extent, like I, because I was always, you know, living in my head, I suppose, to an extent, yeah. like just kind of, um, my parents always said I had a very, very overactive, <laughs> overactive imagination. So um, I think, you know, I was really good at creating stuff. So, you know, mm -hmm. my whole world revolved around, you know, what I was going to be doing next in whether I was creating dancing or drawing stuff or, you know, just generally, you know, doing something that came from from here I guess mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely and uh, did you have any siblings uh yes one brother um 
and yeah I mean my brother and I are probably quite different but you know uh, we were we were close growing up um, and I think you know we we grew up I mean you know to give some context here so um, my I think both my parents were probably very um, interested in improving themselves and improving their lives but probably the focus was more financial than anything mm -hmm. and i think that was maybe a little problematic because my dad um always worked for himself and he would be he worked very very long hours so he'd always leave the house at sort of five o'clock in the morning so we grew up not far from london um so he did commute in and then you know i'd maybe see him sort of at very much just at bedtime um my mum was an alcoholic so um and that i guess that situation was maybe a little bit exacerbated by um you know that situation to an extent i suppose um although i can't really talk about whatever caused that for her okay um because i don't honestly know um and I think nowadays I probably would take a better guess at it, but I don't think I ever got to the bottom of, of what drove her to, to be that way and to feel that yeah. way about herself. Um, so, but you know, the thing is that I think, I, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't like I was beaten as a child or, you know what I mean? Like, I think sometimes when people say, oh, you've got an alcoholic parent, people think that that's um, an environment of abuse yeah and it wasn't an environment of abuse in terms of you know physically abusive but i suppose you know i would have and i know i have picked up some sort of trauma from the fact that you know my parent was not a consistent force in my life mm -hmm. so you know the times when she was sober she was very present and then you know there were there were troughs when um she wasn't she just wasn't there, I suppose. Yeah. You know, she could be there physically, but she wasn't there. Present. She wasn't uh, present at all. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, that does have an effect on you as a kid. So that's potentially why, I guess, I was very kind of... Um, I probably did live in my head maybe a bit more mm -hmm. than I should have done. Um, because I guess that might have been um, my way of coping with the situation. What, what sort of age range are we talking Um when she was an alcoholic how old were you my, well my whole life so um oh. yeah i mean i i i became aware of it when i was 12. okay so uh i remember finding a, a bottle of vodka i think under like stashed under a bookshelf mm -hmm. and literally in that moment everything kind of went and kind of came into into focus for me i kind of thought you know, and I remember very, very clearly exactly at that point thinking, mum's going to die. Um, 12 years old? Yeah. You were 12 years old and you were having yeah. these thoughts? Yeah. And that literally, I mean, it literally, it was almost like all these bits of a jigsaw had kind of just gone like mm. together. And the thing was that, you know, I was 12, but mum didn't actually die till I was 30. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was a long, long time waiting and watching someone do that to themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's obviously, that's not gonna have a great effect on you as a human being, um, because you're constantly standing at this precipice, waiting to fall over the edge. Yeah. Um, you know, so 
all things considered, I would say that, you know, I feel like I've kind of come through that situation okay. Um, don't get me wrong, but obviously I've, I've had my own stuff to deal with. Um, but fundamentally, I think I made the decision very early on in life that, um, because I heard this statistic that said, children of alcoholics become alcoholics. And I actively decided, and I guess I was obviously in my- I think that's complete uh, bullshit, to be fair. Well, I do think it's bullshit, but also I do think you you have to make that decision. Like I completely 100%. decided that is not my destiny. Yeah. Um, and because I decided that's not my destiny, it's not my destiny, you know? Like, I guess I, I could go that way. Mm. And there've been in times in my life when I've kind of caught myself thinking, yeah, I probably need to wind this in a bit, you know, maybe drinking more than I want to, but because I've got an eye on it, but you know, there, there is that thing. And I'm, actually, it's interesting you say that because I think, you know, there is this, this opinion, isn't there, that stigma people, yeah, and people think yeah. that, you know, if your parent is a drug addict or if your parent is abusive or if your parent is an alcoholic, then that's your destiny also. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that's quite damaging for children, isn't it? You know, growing up with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, the reason why I said that is because I'm very, I'm, I'm very anti doing what everyone else is doing, going with the stigma of what, you know, it should be, or exactly. not speaking about that taboo subject to speak about it, you know, yeah. um, and when you said that, like, I get that, I do understand that. And generally speaking, you know, you are your parents in some way or form, um, there is going to be traits you're going to pick up subconsciously, or sorry, unconsciously without even knowing, which we get, we understand that. However, Every single person in this world has a decision to make and it's their own decision. It's their own choice and it's their own direction, their own journey they want to take, but they just need to be self-aware of that. And sometimes yes. it does take the other person, you know, that you don't know to, to bring that out of you. Um, so I, I somewhat agree, but I don't agree. Um, there's more yes. of me that doesn't agree with that. Um, just because I think going on, you know, you know what it's like, you go on your own little personal development journey and then all of a sudden yes. you start thinking about stuff in a different way and you start gaining a new perspective on life and thinking, well, no, I don't need to do that. Just because everyone else is doing that, I don't need to do that. I want to exactly. do what I want to do. Um, and it takes a while, you know, it took me probably, probably the best part of 12 years to realize that, um, you know, I was just doing what everyone else is doing. Uh, yeah. But, you know, once you do realize that and you start doing what you want to do, it's a game changer, right? Um, it is a game changer, yeah. So no, I get that. And, you know, sorry to hear that. Obviously, your mum's passed and obviously you went through that mm. situation. You know, it's no fault of your own. Um, okay, so let's, let's take it back a little bit. So go back to um, your sort of early 20s sort of, or your early adulthood, 18, 19. Yes. Uh, what was yeah. going on for you then? What were you doing? Um, so I finished in my A-levels, um, I took a year out because, I mean, I grew up in a family where, um, it was, it was accepted that you would go to university. There wasn't a, um, Here we go again. It's a stigma, right? Same as mine. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, so it was very much like, well, you go, you go to school and then you get your A-levels and then you go to university. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, it was very much accepted that that, that was my path. Um, so I took a year out, I, um, worked for a year just in my local pub. Um, and I just had like a great time. It was a really, really fun time in my life. Um, and then yeah, went away to uni. So, uh, went away to Leicester, which is where I'm still living now. Mm Um, and yeah, I mean, I suppose, well, to put it in context, I had, I'd gone away to boarding school for a few years. 
Um, and that was a very, very happy time for me. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, like I remember speaking to a therapist a couple of years ago and she said to me, you know, it would have been because you would have had this consistency um, that you wouldn't have had at home. And, you know, that made a lot of sense to me because, you know, it was a very organized environment. You know, you're told to be in certain places at certain times and, yeah. you know, that you, you can kind of stick within this framework. And, you know, I found that was a, a really, really great place for me. Um, and then I think, you know, uni maybe didn't, I don't know, it didn't really tick many boxes for me. I kind of feel okay. like, you know, I, I, it wasn't the first time I lived away from home. Um, you know, it wasn't like I'd got all these people around me who were like, Ooh, freedom. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> kind of done this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I got my degree. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, you know, it wasn't, I don't know. I don't think I have any emotions sort of attached to that time in my life, particularly, you know, it was just, it was accepted that that was what I was going to do. And that was what I did, I suppose. And what did you do after that? Um, so then, Rebel. yeah, after that, <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, after that, yeah, I started looking for jobs and I found it really, really difficult to find anything that was really um, ticking the boxes for me. And I think because I'd, again, uh, growing up, my parents were very much like everything that I wanted to do. So, you know, as a kid, you know, usual thing, like I want to be a singer, I want to be a dancer, I want to be a designer, like all this stuff. And they were like, no, like that doesn't make money. You've got to do something that makes you, you know, that keeps roof over your head. And, you know, so it was basically, I was told from a young age, like basically anything that makes you happy, (laughs) put on the back burner, you know, you, your primary concern is making, making a wage. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't go into my working life with a particularly, um, high expectation of, of what I was going to get. And, you know, I guess then that was it really. I suppose I kind of bumbled through my career for the next like 20 years, basically, Mm -hmm. like kind of just not really being happy. Um, which is really sad. Um, but it's reality, right? Yeah, and a yeah. lot of people go through the same thing. I did it. I did fourteen yeah. years with just doing a crappy job, going out at the weekends, wasting yeah. my twenties away, not really yeah. knowing what I'm doing, exactly. trying to find the next thing, thinking going on holidays and buying things was the, was the best thing, but it wasn't. Yep. Did it bring me happiness? Probably not. A little bit, maybe. Real exactly. authentic happiness? Probably not. <laughs> I know. No, and authentic happiness, and that that's the thing, you know. And I think you know maybe at some point. Um, I was looking at, um, there's, so recently I've been, I've been digging a bit more into something called attachment theory. I don't know. I think we may have spoken about this briefly, uh, when we first spoke. Um, and I was kind of looking into this relates to kind of stages of development in, in human beings. And it apparently like in your sort of, I think it's somewhere between like 35 and 60 people will hit, I guess, what is what we'd all know as the midlife crisis Mm -hmm. where essentially you reach this point where you realize that you want to be authentically happy. You want to be exactly, you want to be giving back something to the world. You want to be contributing. You want to be giving to yourself. um, And you want to be having that sense that 
you know, your life matters, that there's purpose, that there's meaning. Um, and I guess, you know, I moved into that stage and yeah, it was just absolutely life-changing. Let's, let's talk about this because I was looking at my podcast stats the other day and my demographic, the majority mm. of people are aged um, 28 to 38. Okay. Um, I'm 34, so, kind of, so yeah. it kind of, you know, probably makes sense, but the people was, moving into this phase into right that now. Phase, right? So let's yeah. talk about this more because the yeah. reason why I got excited because I had that exact moment six months prior to turning 30. Yes. And I was like, what do I want to do? I'm going to be turning mm. 30. What am I doing? What do I actually want? What's going to bring me happiness? What do I, what moves do I need to make in order to, to get there? Yes. Not unknowingly that it was, it's still a journey, but it's taken me four years to get to where I am now. So yeah, I mean, it, it's not fast, is it? I mean, not you know, and, that, and you probably, I bet you feel like you're on the cusp of this now, don't you? Like, I mean, I felt like that for the last in. two years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you, you, it's good, though, because I'm always finding the next thing that is actually bringing me authentic happiness. There's always yes. stuff, there's always hurdles, don't get me wrong. It's mm. not easy, and I think you can agree with me on this. But let's talk about this, because there is probably a lot of people that might be going through this, or maybe not understanding this, or maybe not got there yet but maybe Mm. on the cusp of entering that start of it or there may be people on the other side of it that are six months a year in and thinking okay what's going on and and a bit lost because I think the most challenging years I had is probably the last two years yeah generally like business mentally like but it's because I put so much into it four years ago when I started yes so talk about talk about this as your journey like what was the real challenge what was the real struggle when you had that moment um the attachment theory moment and you were like yeah what is it um well i think so for me i found myself there were far too many mornings where i was sitting in my car driving to work wondering what the hell i was doing with my life (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's the story story. um you know just thinking oh god is there more to this than you know and and i'd be like thinking oh maybe go on with that is there more and um, no, just is, is there more? Is there more? Yeah. yeah. Is there more? <laughs> I mean, I asked that same question. Is there more to life than this? Yeah. I asked yeah. that. I, I, do you know what? You're speaking for so many people right now. Probably <laughs> so I guarantee I was exactly in that same place. You're in your car in the morning, going to work. It's cold. It's dark. And you're like, what am I doing? Like, is this really what, what I want to do? I do not yeah. want to go into this workplace or whatever it is. Carry on. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think it's it's kind of a dark place to be but equally it's very exciting because it's mm. that you know that darkness before the dawn you, you you know like at that point you know there's something better yep. there's something different and but the, the problem is you're stuck because you're thinking how the hell am i going to get there you have no clue what it is yet you just know exactly exactly yeah. and that and that's why you kind of have to go on this journey so i think for me you know <sighs> As time was going on, I was I was more and more unhappy at work. Um, you know, there were parts of my work that I loved. I had clients that I loved, um, and you know, I very much focused on those things. I was like, you know, I, I love this, and I, you know, just trying to talk yourself into it, like you do, mm-hmm. um, and thinking, you know, oh, it's not that bad. And and I think also, you know, after a certain amount of time of working, you get comfortable. 
you get a bit comfortable. You yeah. get very used to your salary. You get very used to that paycheck at the end of the month. And you get yeah. very used to the idea that like, you don't need to worry about money. And that makes it the, the comfort. Interestingly, like, um, there's a brilliant speech by, um, do you ever listen to Les Brown? Who's a motivation? Who I? He's the reason course, what, I'm well. doing, what I'm doing right now. He was, I actually listened. I had the same uh, video uh, on YouTube. It was one of his videos, and I listened to it every single morning for about three years straight. Three yes. years straight. Exactly uh, I probably, what I did. I know it word for word pretty much now, but um, yeah, go on, go on. And he, and he says that thing about like, the problem is that people get comfortable. That really hit home with me because I would basically like I, I would drive to work every morning and I'd either have Les Brown. There's an amazing speech by Denzel Washington um, that he gives at a graduation. Yes. Yeah. 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 Know it. The one that starts off like put God first. <laughs> yeah. And oh God. that He's my hero. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm absolutely in love with that. And like whenever I hit a, like hit a dark point now, which is actually very rarely, um, you know, I'm there. I'm like, Denzel, you're going to talk me through this. This is all good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, oh, I absolutely love that. But yeah, I mean, when Les Brown said about, you know, people get comfortable and I was like, shit, yeah, that's me. That's I'm hundred percent. Like I'm, I'm way too comfortable, but yet equally, then he has this, this analogy that he gives about um, a dog lying on a porch that's moaning and groaning and somebody walks past and they're like, what's the dog moaning about? And the owners are like, he's laying on a nail. And they're like, why doesn't he just get off it? And he's like, mm, it's just not uncomfortable enough to get off. Yeah. And he's like, you know, this is how people go through their lives because you're kind of whinging about stuff, but you don't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And that was definitely, definitely where I was. Um, and I guess for me, this kind of culminated in, so um, my husband and I, I guess we've been married for a couple of years. And we had this like amazing wedding and like, it was just, for me, it was this, um, this incredible sort of, um, I remember at our wedding, the, the guy who took the ceremony, he called these things mountaintop experiences. And there was some part of me that kind of felt like it's never going to be this good ever again. Mm -hmm. Like, this is it. Like I've had this beautiful wedding marrying this man that I adore and I mean we got married in Hawaii it was nice. just incredible yeah. like the, it was just a pure fantasy almost I guess mm -hmm. and I suppose that that made day-to-day -day life even worse I was just like oh no I can't do this anymore um and this all kind of culminated in you know my husband and I sort of I don't know if drifting apart's the right way to describe it, but um, you know, I guess you know we were doing that classic thing where people get married and then their focus shifts, and then you're like, oh, you know, he was kind of working on his career. I was getting more and more depressed about the fact that I was like, oh, life's never going to be this good again. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, literally, like one day, he turned around to me and just said, "I don't think I love you anymore." And literally on that day like the bottom absolutely dropped out of my world um and I was like no this the, you know like he for me was kind of responsible for this amazing experience and this you know and he was just like literally my world I guess was was the way to describe it and that event um you know we worked extremely hard to 
work out where things were wrong and how to heal them and how to move forward, which we have done. Um, but that event actually, more than anything, propelled me to be a different person. So all the stuff I actually learned while I was learning to heal my relationship had this huge impact on my life um, because it made me realize, you know, that, you know, teaching key things like owning your life, owning your words, owning your thoughts, owning your deeds, being 100% responsible, stop blaming people, stop accusing people. Um, you know, literally you have to sit in the discomfort of your own life mm. and accept what it is and learn how to move forward from that. And, you know, all these key things that were so important to help our relationship have just, yeah, my life has altered beyond measure, I would say. Transformation. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, um, so earlier this year, I quit my job. Um, literally walked in one day and went can't do this anymore um walked out and you know i've started up um my new business which is to do with <laughs> the relationship best, do you know what the best thing about your business on your instagram check this out guys listen to this <laughs> after all that you've just said as well your instagram is called happily ever after <laughs> i mean come on that's amazing right and it just it just kind of says like the tone of this conversation you know it is it is about finding that organic happiness and that true happiness yeah. and not the false yeah falseness because there is a lot yeah. of falseness and we need to talk about it because people need yes. to be aware of it you know yes. um yeah carry on sorry yeah so what, so no, what no, no, I mean, give us some, yeah give us an idea of what you are up to now um yeah, so um, essentially my idea, so I think the, the major thing that my husband and I discovered when we were going through all this stuff, learning how to heal our relationship, mm -hmm. the main thing that we realized, we, we turned to each other so many times and we said, oh my God, if we'd only known this before, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in now. And that is literally my my driver now. I'm like... I want to get the word out to people that relationships particularly, um, people have got this misconception that you have to wait for a relationship to, you know, go tits up before you do anything about it. People don't consider it to be an area of their life where they can be proactive. So, you know, health and fitness, you know that if you go to the gym, if you go for your morning run, if you, you know, if you do, if you eat clean, if you, if you work out, you see the benefits and mm. you see your body changing, you see, you feel yourself getting fitter and healthier, but they don't apply this mindset to relationships where if you are proactive, it's more of this kind of like, oh, well, you know, things are kind of good as they are. So, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know, and that's very, very much. And then when things start to creep in again, it's all swept under the rug. So it's like, mm. oh, well, we've got a few little niggles, but you know, I'm definitely not going to talk about it. I'm not going to tell my friends. I'm not going to tell my family. And then before you know it, it just develops into this like mushroom cloud of, of craziness where the two of you are screaming and shouting and ultimately, you know, heading for the divorce courts or breaking up. And it doesn't need to be that way. <laughs> no, no. I think there was one uh, analogy which someone used that someone told me the other, the other week. 
it was like peeling an onion, mm. peeling the layers off. Yes. You know, you're getting down to the core, but you don't want to get down to the core. Once you peel the layers off, you want to start tackling it then. You, yes. know, you can find yourself probably in a relationship where you're peeling layers off, layer after layer, and it's starting to wear thin. Yes. And don't wait for it to get down to the wafer thin core before you start, you know, no. and it's all no. gone. You know, the layers are gone. So it's exactly a, you're so right. It's so, it, it's so important. I think it's so important. I think it's just it's almost like when you said that people wait for it to explode, they wait for it something to go wrong. It's the same with anything. Like yeah, you I've done it. Like you wait for your your job to get the worst, even though you hate it. You wait for it to get to the worst point before you you pack it in, or before yeah. you start to make a change, or before you start to make a move. Yeah. And I get it. I get it. Like people are in their comfort zone. They don't want to get in the comfort zone. But one thing that Les Brown says is like pain, you know, pain, the pain, the pain, like pain is temporary, but why would you want to feel the pain for longer than you want to, than you need to? Right. Yeah. You just want to like, don't do it. Even though it's probably a out of 10, a two level pain or a three level yes. pain, not a 10, you're at a yeah. two or three and you can, it's okay. You can go along with it. But as soon as it gets yeah. to an eight or a nine, you're like, Oh shit, I need to start changing something. Exactly. But why exactly. wait to that? You know, why have that long lasting pain when you can attack it there and then and change? hundred percent completely agree with you. I mean, I think that's the thing there, you know, like, um, and I guess you probably found this as well. So, you know, when you're in a, when you're in a coaching space, um and you're talking to people and they're almost like you know the advice you'll get in terms of business is like oh well you want to be appealing to people who are you know almost in crisis because they are far more likely to take action and i get that but equally i would love to be able to get people who have got this proactive mindset where they're like you know what i just want every area of my life to be the very, very best it can be. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we're we all very happy to sort of maybe, I think when people come into this personal, I don't know if you find this, when people come into the sort of personal development space, some people are sort of thinking of working for themselves or, you know, there's a lot of focus on entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and generating income for yourself, maybe having time freedom or geographical freedom. Um, and we focus on that, I think, because of the money and, um, you know, it's a seductive thing to feel like if you throw money at a problem, it'll go away. Um, but the truth of it is that it won't. <laughs> um, you know, you can't, you can't buy love. Um, you know, you can't buy happiness. It, it, is, it does require the deep inner work. Mm -hmm. And it's horrible because I, I know people want to go, there's a quick fix. Um, you know, it's, it's five minutes and, yeah. um, you know, like any part of your life you know so with relationships you know um so on instagram you know you, you put out posts where it's like oh six ways to do this or seven ways to do that or four you know because i think people are very attracted to the idea if they just did four really small things um that everything like the magic wand will be way <laughs> yeah everything changes yeah. <laughs> exactly um and and the truth is it, it's it's a lot bigger than that and it does require you know digging in and what's the phrase getting comfortable with being uncomfortable yeah yeah no absolutely and i think just going back to that for the four tips or i mean i used to do it the 10 tips to help anxiety yeah. those things do work right but reality is everyone is different everyone is going through something different no no one person or two people are the same people 
everyone's yeah. scenario and situation is different. And these tips can help people in certain ways. But reality is, you know, if you take it seriously and you're your own person and you start figuring out what's actually going on and what you can actually do about it, there is support. There is the right support out there uh, yes. for, for each individual. I'm not yeah. going to be the best coach for everyone. You know, exactly. I don't, I don't, you know, if, if, if someone wants to earn lots and lots of money, I'm not your coach. Don't, <laughs> don't even talk to me. Like, yeah. and if you've not even got a valid reason as to why you want to earn a million pounds, don't, don't talk to me because that's not what it's about. Right. No. For me anyway, I'm not, I'm not, yeah. it, it needs to be a two way thing, but just remember that if you are listening to this and you are going through that scenario where you are a bit lost and you don't know what to do and you are in that pain zone, but you know, it's still a bit comfortable and it's starting to get a little bit uncomfortable Then find that right person to support you. There is, there yeah. is some hundred percent someone out there. Definitely. And actually it's something that, you know, I say at the start of my training is like, we're so, you know, you touched on the fact that I've called my business happily ever after. And um, you know, I spend a lot of time saying to people, this is not happily ever after in a fairy tale way. This is learning how to live happily ever after. Yeah. Because that, that's the key, isn't it? We're not taught these things. So we just kind of puddle along and think, yeah, it's going to be fine. Um, and I say to people, this is not about a cookie cutter version of relationships. This is not about me prescribing to you that you have to fit within this, this box here. And, you know, if you do these things, everything will be perfect. It's about creating something for you as an individual that works for you because, you know, you and your partner are two individuals. You're both fundamentally flawed, you know, so your relationship's going to be fundamentally flawed and it's going to have its quirks and it's going to have, you know, because you have your quirks. So mm -hmm. it's learning how to work within, you know, different mindsets and tools to craft something that's right for your life. Boom. Yeah. Um, we can't, you know, you can't force somebody, um, actually, oh, I'm trying to think who said it. There was a guy um, that I, I did a course with online and he was saying, you know, the biggest problem we have on the earth is people believing that their way is the right way. And there's no understanding that everybody has their own way yeah um and you know he said you know when you think to all the major conflicts and wars and everything in the world it's because somebody's you know going out there going my way is the right way do it this way um and it's true it's absolutely true so you know and but like you say it's, it's so personal and um you know where you or i might suit certain people there are a group of other people who'll who'll seek somebody else but you know you you attract your tribe don't you i think it's kind of yeah so um i think the right people come to you or you go to the right people effectively it's that whole law of attraction is that you put that shit out in the world it comes back to you exactly and it happens so many times that i put shit out in the world five six years ago and all of a sudden it's come back to me now i'm just like what are you doing well <laughs> where are you coming from like what is going on right now you know when you have those moments just like how did that even just happen like, yes. how many times have you said that to yourself like what is going on like i have it so many times i have to call my friend i'm like do you know what just happened like she was like what remember that thing i told you five years ago yeah well it's just happened like, it's that it's that moment right it's that moment yeah. and you're just thinking yeah okay this is this is amazing this is bringing yeah. me happiness this is bringing me like this is giving me that buzz which i so so wanted and needed 
Yeah. Um, all right. Listen, what is your mission? Your mission, Holly Ski. Did I say that right? I, yeah, yeah, you did. Um, my, my mission is 100%. I mean, so who was I listening to the other day? Will Smith mm. did this thing that he said, um, trying to change the world is like trying to empty the ocean with a ladle. And I was like, yeah. So my, my, yeah, exactly. My, my ladle yeah. <laughs> is basically trying to change the collective consciousness that you have to leave your relationship till it messes up. My big mission is to win people around to the idea that proactivity is where it's at. Mm -hmm. And I believe that if we, if we learn to relate to one another, because you know, we're moving into this time where people are so, I mean, gosh, we feel it even more now because of lockdown, mm -hmm. the isolation that people feel is real and very real for a lot of people and if we can learn to connect to other human beings in a better way in a more productive way and in a way that makes us feel seen and heard and understood and appreciated you know we're we're going to show up in the world as better people um you know and that's that's ultimately the goal you know because my husband and i've done all this work together we show up in the world as the best versions of ourselves mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I feel like that's, that's my happiness. That's my success. I feel like, you know, if I can be the best version of me right now, because you're not static, are you, you know, you're always changing, you're always growing, you know, you're going to be a different person in 12 months. Probably I'm going to be a different person in 12 months. You know, we're, we're not set in stone. We're not trees. We're not got roots. We're not stuck. Um, so I think, yeah, I just really would love to start to change people's opinions so that they know that if they can get ahead of the curve, um, that, hey, hey, let me put it this way, right. How many pages are there on social media of people who are like dating coaches? People are desperate to find love. You know, these people are so popular. They're like, oh yeah, you know, if I, if I could just find that one person, like people spend their lives looking for love and then they get it. And what mm -hmm. do they do? They're like, oh yeah, I've got that now. <laughs> yeah and they just ignore it <laughs> um so if you understood that cherishing that and making that person a priority and that relationship a priority would actually you know send the ripples out from the pond and it would actually benefit your life in every area mm -hmm. um there was a study done by harvard university that started back in the 1940s called the grant study right. and it was all about um, it was basically, they were looking for the keys to, to health and happiness and longevity. Um, and they just studied these people across their lives and they've since studied like their kids and their kids, like it's gone on forever. Um, and their major finding was that it was happy, successful relationships that had the biggest effect on people's lives down to like, you know, how healthy they were into their like 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, how much they earned that so there was a figure where it said like if you're in a, in a successful relationship they were earning something like $150,000 more than their peers um, right. so there's there's a lot of empirical evidence to say this this actually does you know I, I don't know if we give it as much attention as we should mm -hmm. um, because it as obviously you can get so much done as an individual but then if you come together with another person and you put your strengths together, 
you create a whole other possibility. And you know, you, I'm sure you will be very much of the mindset that collaboration and getting together with other people, uh, masterminds, you know, all these things are just ways to elevate yourself even further. So, you know, two heads are better than one. I mean, I just find humans fascinating. Yeah. I just, yeah. I'm just super, 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 super curious about humans. <laughs> And, and the more you know, the more you're like, oh, yeah, I totally get why they do that. Exactly, right. So now I'm like yeah. going out in situations in social circles. I'm just like, I'm watching someone do something. I'm just like the mannerism, the way they're, yeah. the way they're saying stuff, you know, you can tell, first of all, they're lying. Second of all, they feel really uncomfortable. But I'm not going to say anything. I can notice it, but I'm not going to say it. But then maybe I do. Maybe I should say something. But um, I only know that because I'm just super curious about humans and yes. the way we think and the way we do and the reality. Well, it, you know, you see it at the moment with, with lockdown, don't you? Like, yeah. there's a group of people who are like, this isn't real. I'm just going to carry on living my life. And then there are people who are like, I'm terrified. I'm not living yeah. my house, you know. And like people, and it's all our beliefs, isn't it? You know, 100%. it's what believe 100% that motivates what you do in life. But um, yeah, it's very strange, isn't it? That yeah. We all think we're the same. And yet we're not. <laughs> we are so different, a hundred percent. And I think, like, do you know what? I used to think that. I used to think we we're all the same when I was in my twenties. I used to think, oh yeah, there's always people that were doing the same thing as me. And then you start comparing yourself because people are doing something different. Yes. And that's the, that's yeah. another conversation topic yeah. altogether. The com <laughs> comparison. What is it? Comparison. I can't even say the uh, word. Comparisonitis. Yeah. Is that is that even a word? Mm. Let's roll with it. You know what? We know what we mean. You know what? <laughs> But yeah, no, it's just a big thing to compare yourself with other people. Um, and it's, it can really, really have a detrimental effect. So you're right, like living your best life, creating the best version of yourself, having that extra person next to you to help you get to that, that level of, mm. of you both living your, you know, the best versions of yourself, but, you know, helping each other do that. I think it's powerful um, mm. and it can be an absolute game changer, 100%. Yeah. Um, Holly, look, I mean, Thank you for coming on. Um, it's been quite a very, a very interesting conversation. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we have just gone off on one, but that's the best way. Um, and just for anyone that's listening and got this far, um, first of all, thank you for listening. Um, and if you've seen value in this conversation, when we've talked about, you know, the attachment theory, like turning when I turned 30, having that light bulb moment, like what do you want to do if you're stuck in a place, you know, staying in the pain zone or the comfortable zone and you need to get out then please do share this with someone who you think might see value in it. Um, super important. Don't share it if it's not, if it's not going to, if it's not going to resonate. Um, I only want people to listen to this that are, are getting value from it. But um, Holly, any, um, any final words? Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose I, I, I just echo that really. I mean, you know, if, if anyone is listening and they are struggling in their relationship, then, you know, please, do connect with me um, because I'd love to be able to help you in any way I can. Um, and equally, if you're listening and you're just thinking, do you know what? I just want to level up. I just want to live the very best life that I can live. Um, then equally get in touch um, because all the things that I teach and I share um, are things that will help you, I believe, no matter what stage you're at. Um, so, 
at the moment my focus is just on couples but um potentially in future because I, I feel like there's lots of people out there talking to single people so um, i don't need to be in that space but and equally as a couple you actually experience different issues within the confines of your relationship than you do outside of it so um you know if you're in a couple and you need some help then please do get in touch i would be delighted to hear from you yeah i mean i'll put all your links below around this post uh, wherever you're listening to this um but yeah no definitely i think that's um especially in these times where we are yeah. indoors a lot um with partners things can mm -hmm. malfunction that's what i'll say well, you say that but interestingly i just saw a thing uh in the papers last week where they said that people had more people had reported an improvement in their relationship during this period than had suffered problems um and actually out of even just out of my circle my group of people i know that is what people are reporting that because they normally because their lives are so we're, we're so busy aren't we mm. and we're, we spread ourselves thin um we don't actually put much effort and energy into our partners so it may be that people are finding that you know that thing in itself is making a change but if it's not you know i can help you 100 percent, 100 percent. no it's so true um yeah no holly ski thank you so much thank you sanjay it's been a pleasure um i will get in touch with you if uh if there's anyone i mean i oh, it's, it's a difficult thing because with coaching um there's always people in relationships and that conversation always comes up um, yes. and I'm not an expert in that in that field yeah. you know I'm not probably the best place to ask the right questions so if there is you know definitely get in touch with Polly um, and likewise yeah. if I know anyone I'll definitely get in touch um, but no no thank you very much for coming on uh, really appreciate it um, go have a fantastic life indeed <laughs> cool well and the, and the same to you enjoy your enjoy your day enjoy your week and uh, yeah you take care cool thanks Holly take care thank you take care Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Ignite Your Mind podcast. This is a safe place for real talk and discovering powerful stories, talking about mental health, real business journeys, and hearing inspiring stories. Please do subscribe if you are listening to this on Spotify, YouTube, or Apple Podcasts, and leave me a comment. And more importantly, share this with anyone who you think may take value from it. I look forward to seeing you next week. Bye.